I would consider myself a hybrid type of coach where I am old school as far as let's work on mechanics. Let's work on throwing. Let's work on throwing a baseball. Let's work on long toss and quality catch and all that stuff that kind of goes into play. Uh, we ready for war. Never back down. Give me some more. We came for the title. Killing the Welcome into another episode of Patrick Jones Baseball. Hope you're doing well wherever you're listening at. In today's episode, we're talking pitching with Darren Ware. So Darren is currently the pitching coach at Walsh University Division II baseball program in Ohio. And so we're, we're talking about Division II college baseball, talking about what Darren is looking for when he's out recruiting high school players. And then we're also lastly talking about from a development standpoint, you know, what are some of the things that that he does with his players? And, and he has two sons himself who both pitch in college. So he gets into what he did with them when they were younger from a development standpoint. It's all it's all good stuff. And and Darren's an awesome guy. I've gotten to know him. And I went up and watched Walsh play in the in the GMAC tournament, their conference tournament this past season. And they're a very good program, very good team. So each Tuesday. I send out a weekly newsletter. It's called The Hitting Chronicle, where it's it's I talk about anything from the mental side of the game to root, hitting routines to drills, movement prep. And so if you are not on the email list, I'd recommend getting on it because it's completely free. And again, it's every Tuesday. I send, send this out. So if you head to patrickjonesbaseball.com, just put your email in and you'll be added to the list. So we're almost at over 5,000 coaches now on this email list. So it's called the Hitting Chronicle. Go to patrickjonesbaseball.com, put your email in, and boom, you're there. If you don't like it, you can always unsubscribe. It's free. All right, here we go. Episode with Darren Ware. This is the future. This is my time. I grind and shine. I put in the work and push the line. All right, we now welcome on Darren Ware to the podcast. Darren, thanks for coming on today. Oh, thank you very much, Pat. So you guys just wrapped up your regular season, uh, the season uh, end of the year tournament. Now it's it's recruiting time. So what's what's your agenda like going to be like for the rest of the summer and and maybe even into the fall too when it comes to recruiting? Like, are there certain places that you specifically want to go or players you want to see? Like, how does that process take place? So when we're in our season, we we like to, you know, obviously we can't get to a lot of high school games. So we try to, you know, make a list, um, whether it be the 2023s that we are getting uh, and we'd like to see them play in the summer. And now all of a sudden we're on to the 2024s where we want to see them in the summer because we didn't have enough time uh, to watch them in the in the spring. So we have we have a map out. We know where they're playing. We know what leagues are playing in, what tournaments are playing in, and uh, we basically divide and conquer. Sometimes, uh, sometimes we just kind of go to the same games as well, and uh, we just we just look, you know. And sometimes, you know, you go to a game to watch one guy, and all of a sudden, you 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 know, you spot another guy doing his thing, and um, it's it's pretty cool to see. But yeah, I live definitely live on the baseball field here in the summertime. How many times does that actually happen where you go and watch one guy and then someone else jumps out and you end up wanting to get him? I think I think more than people realize or players realize. You know, it's always about maybe that one good game. Um, you know, we look at a guy and we're going to see a guy and maybe he goes 0 for 3. 
and that's okay. Uh, we want to see how he reacts to that. We want to see how he is as a teammate. But then all of a sudden, you know, you have another guy in that team that, or the other team that might go three for three, and he possesses speed. He possesses, you know, possesses some other tools, arm strength, a good leader. You know, doesn't get down when he makes an error. So, and we we take notes of that. You know, we take notes of that. We take the number. We talk to the coaches, and uh, you know, we try to look into that as well. So, what are you specifically looking for when when you are at recruiting? I guess you're you're a pitching coach at Walsh. Yes. So, what what are you looking for specifically? What are you watching? Because I'm sure I'm not a pitching coach, so maybe what I'm watching is going to be completely different from what you are looking for. I look. You know, we look for size. You know, we, we try to we try to get guys that have some size. Uh, projectability is a word that's been thrown out there a lot. You know, we look at that. Um, we look at record ERA, strikeout percentage. You know, we, we try to all have that in line as we go and look at the guy. Um, but as we go on, you know, I, I, I want to see his mom presence. I think that's huge. You know, when I was getting into the coaching and talking with other college coaches from Division One, Two, Three, NEI, the word mound presence has come up a lot. And it's how do they conduct themselves when things are going good, and how do they conduct themselves when things are going bad? And you know, sometimes we went to a recruit uh, the other day, and in the first inning, he was—I don't know if he knew we were there—and you know, he got a little amped up, and you know, he walked the first guy of the game. And that walk ended up scoring because of an error that the next guy came up, he bunted, pitcher picks it up, throws it down the right field line, that guy scores. And then all of a sudden he just settles in. Uh, mm -hmm. And then, you know, we talk to him and we're just like, hey, you know, I know that wasn't good. You know, I know you, you know, you can't walk, can't get free passes. They usually come around to score, but it's what you did after that, that really kind of struck a chord with us in a positive way, how you bounce back, not only for, yourself but for the team um you know i've seen a lot of other pitchers where it goes south after that you know it just it just snowballs into a, a bad outing and um this particular player really kept it together his composure he was a good teammate he's a good leader you know he didn't he's, he was also hit so it didn't affect his at bats um and they lost one nothing I mean, it was it was a great game. It was a well pitched game by the by the player we were watching, and it was it was uh, it was nice to talk to him after the game and and try to talk to him about that. So let's just use that kid as an example, and I, I have no idea who you're talking about, and uh, but I, I'm just curious, how many times would you need to see like that specific kid before you're like, I'm in, I'm officially in. That's that's a great question. You know, sometimes you have that where you you hear about him, you go see him, and you're like, I I like what I see. Um, this this particular player we've heard about, we've tracked him, uh, but that was the first time I've seen him pitch. Uh, you know, we talked to the high school coach, we talked to maybe a, a friend of mine or somebody else that knows him, knows his family, and we talk about that. And uh, they all say great things. So now it's just the eye test, you know, how does it really look? You know, and he had the size, he had good pitch ability. He had, you know, good off speed. He was able to throw it for strikes. Um, so all of that and, and being a teammate and a leader and, and, and stuff like that. And we always tell our guys, you know, you don't have to be a senior to be a leader, you know? So we talked to this particular player and we said, Hey, listen, when you come in, don't be afraid to lead. So he hasn't, accepted our offer yet he hasn't made a decision yet but you know we really kind of 
let them know that hey, this this will be a great place for you. Yeah, you and one of the things I always tell kids is is I think it's important to go where where you feel wanted most. I think that there's something sure. to be said about that for sure. Um, I don't know if you listened to this episode, Darren, but I had Tom House on a month, month and a half ago, maybe. I don't know, maybe it's been okay. two months now. And one of the things that that he said is yeah, and all the Hall of Fame pitchers out of all of them, the average height, I think he said, was six foot and a half. Of okay. I, I believe, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's what he said. And so you'd mentioned how size matters a lot. And so have you found that pitchers who are are short don't don't have as much success? Yeah, you know, actually, you know, not to get too personal on my life, but I have two. I have two boys. Okay, my one son is five nine. And, you know, he possesses a lot of power in the lower half and he was able to, you know, get it up there to 90, 91. I have my other son is a six foot four, six foot five lefty. Um, so, you know, it comes in all frames, all sizes. You know, sometimes you look at a guy and he's, he's bigger built, he's stuff like that. And it looks like it's just going to shoot out of his hand and it, and it doesn't. Then you have the littler guy or the, the guy that maybe is not as filled out yet. And all of a sudden it just, the ball just comes out of his hand. So, you know, we look at that movement. We look at that and we, we track that a little bit and just say, what can we, what else can we get out of him? That's going to maybe possess a little bit of the, uh, the velo that we're looking for. And it's not always about size, you know, but, you know, we want to try to be a little intimidating. You know, we want to throw out that six, three, six, four, six, five guy, if we can get him. Um, But they also have to know how to pitch, you know, you're not going to intimidate a lot of hitters in any college level, by the look i mean hitters will come up there and you know they might say oh that's a big guy but then all of a sudden their job is to hit and you know if, if you can't pitch they're going to make sure that you you know that pretty quick so do you think for your son that's five nine and is up to 90 how old is he first off he's a senior he's got one more year he's got one more year yeah. in high school uh no in college yeah he's in gonna college. be a senior in college. Yep. where's he pitching at he's with me actually at walsh university he's a transfer from kent Okay. So do you think that he would have gotten, like, do you think he should have gotten more offers, but he didn't because just of his size? I, you know, sometimes, you know, not really. I mean, I, I I just think that, you know, his mound presence was enough, but I do think, you know, there, there was some size issue. Now, if he was a six, five lefty throwing like that, you know, that might've been, you know, a different, a different story, you know, but yeah, maybe I would say, you know, suggest a little bit about that maybe, but you know, it is what it is. And then I know you, your other son, he's, he pitches um, and he's at Oakland university. I, I saw um, you were down at the horizon tournament. What's yeah. it, what's it like being a dad to, to two sons who are both pitchers in college? I mean, a lot of parents probably are going to be listening to this and, and they want their kids to be able to, achieve their dreams, which for a lot of them in, is going to be playing college baseball, division one level. It doesn't mean it's for everybody, but that's what a lot of them, that's what they aspire to be. So, I mean, what advice would you, would you give to parents out there who, whose kids want to play division one college baseball? And you have two of them. I, I would say, you know, enjoy the process. Don't, don't be in such a rush to, you know, make them speed up the process or get them worried, or I have to play on this summer team, or I have to play on this summer team. Um, you know, I think if I really do believe that if you're good enough, 
they're going to find you. And so it's, it's patience. You know, sometimes you see these kids that are signing that are 2025 that are haven't even pitched a game in as their freshman year in high school and they're signing to these big schools. And then you have all of a sudden you have a 2023 that it took time to develop. And all of a sudden now you got this, you know, he might've grew, he might've gained some velocity as, as time went on and stuff like that. So I, I just say, be patient, um, you know, be patient with the process, enjoy the process, um, go look at schools, go to camps, you know, know if, if you want to go to a certain school, go to those camps, get to know those coaches. Um, I tried to tell all the players and all the guys that I work with as well, because I also do pitching instruction, you know, go be noticed. Uh, nobody's going to notice you behind really closed doors. That's where you put it in the work. But when it's time to showcase what you have, that's when you have to go ahead and prove it. Yeah, I tell you what, that that's the the good thing about being a pitcher is, man, it, it if you're good, like it's you're gonna be found, right? More so as from a pitching standpoint, I would say than a hitting a position player standpoint. Um, it's just I feel like it, it's easier to evaluate pitchers. You can see even a lot more just on video. So yeah, I definitely agree with with what you just said right there. I think that uh, you know what? Well, f- first off, luckily we won't be seeing any more freshmen committing because of the new rules for for Division One college baseball. Sure. Any anyway, so we don't have to luckily worry about that. But what about how you 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 spoke and and talked to and and coached your kids when they were younger? I mean, when what were you doing when you went to their games? What were you doing after the games and talking to them and things like that? So you know, just. I, Personally, when I was talking to my kids, I, I usually coach my older son's team when he was growing up. And, you know, even into the high school, you know, I was his freshman coach or JV coach. And then until he went up to the varsity level. But, you know, I, I don't want to say I was hard on them, but I wanted them to know, you know, it wasn't until maybe eighth grade that my older one realized, you know, I might have something here. You know, I might be able to do or play beyond high school. And it was um, one of those where, you know, okay, if this is what you want to do, then this these are the expectations. And so he went to work. I mean, he went to work on the lower half. He watched what he ate. He, you know, he learned the game. He watched the game. He studied the game. He studied pitchers. He, you know, did all the stuff that you need to do. And, you know, he went out there and competed and, you know, just like anybody else, you want to do well, but on those bad days, you know, you always leave that message with the, with your son or other players that say, Hey, listen, you never know who's watching you in the stands. And, um, you know, you want to make sure that if you give up three runs in one inning, that when you come off, you know, you don't put your head down, you don't mope, you don't, you just go in there. And if you strike out the side, you walk off the field the same way. Um, you know, it's all about how you, the mound presence that you possess, you don't know who's watching you and just continue to climb the ladder. And, um, you know, eventually for him and my other son and for other players that I've coached or anybody out there that's watching this, um, you just, you just compete and you got to commit. And that's a huge word commitment. You know, are you going to be that guy that is a, you know, one day a week guy, or I'm going to, I'm going to throw good on my throwing day, but then I'm going to take four or five days off and then hope that I do well my next start, you know, and that's the thing where, you know, I think Roger Clemens said it, you know, a while, a long time ago where he said the easiest day of his 
routine was the day he pitched. Uh, everything else was just extremely hard, the lifting, the stretching, the throwing, you know, what he had to do to prepare his body in order to be so successful on game day. Did your boys throw all year round? Um, that's a, you know, I don't want to say they threw my, my youngest one played basketball. So during that winter time, when everybody else was training, he was always at basketball. Um, the other one, I, he took some time off, you know, um, when he got into college, he took less time off. I don't want to say, you know, we talk about, you know, and I tell my pitchers, there's two types of shutdowns. There's the complete shutdown where, Hey, listen, I'm not going to pick up a baseball. And then there's what we call keeping the arm oiled you know, where you're maybe not off the mound, but you are, you know, throwing light, maybe 70 feet, 90 feet. You're just playing catch. You're keeping the arm moving. You're keeping a feel for the balls and the pitches that you're throwing. Um, so I like the fact that, you know, and I try to get my pitchers to continuously throw a little bit uh, and, and not have complete shutdown. Now, again, if they have long inning, like, many innings pitched or, you know, they're, they're coming off an injury or they're sore a little bit. Well, then maybe we say, okay, take some time. Uh, but you know, the three months, four months, you know, stuff like that. I just think you still need to just build and just stay, keep a feel for what you have. And then when you're ready to go and start to ramp up a little bit, now you haven't forgotten anything. It's almost like muscle memory. What advice would you give to to coaches out there who who coach teams maybe in high school, maybe even junior high, and you know they want to help their pitchers strengthen their arms, they want to help and they want to make sure that they're not getting hurt too. So, what I mean, what would you recommend? Long toss. I mean, what what would be if if you're in charge of of kids from you know I know it's a wide age range, but like 13 to 16, like what type mm -hmm. of program would you want them on to make sure that they have good arm health, but also are increasing their velocity with time too? I would say, you know, and, and you're going to, you hear all different opinions on this, you know, and I just go off of, uh, you know, I'm a learner. I, you know, I don't just say, Hey, I'm a, I'm a college pitching coach right now. So I know everything. I mean, I reach out to coaches that have coached my uh, kids. I've reached out to, college coaches, I get on Twitter and I'm just, I DM them. Hey, you have a minute to talk. You know, some of them don't get back to you and some of them reach out within a second. And it's really cool to kind of run by, Hey, what do you do? What what are some of the plans that you do? And, and I, I would consider myself a hybrid type of coach where I am old school, as far as let's work on mechanics, let's work on throwing, let's work on throwing a baseball, let's work on long toss and quality catch and all that stuff that kind of goes into play. And then all of a sudden the new school part of me understands that the analytics are involved, the rap soto, things like that, where kids want to know numbers and see numbers and see spin rate and all that stuff. And I think that's really cool. But sometimes I just think that the analytics is now starting to get in the way and I'm starting to see that where it's starting to affect the pitcher. I mean, I see guys in the bullpen, they'll throw a pitch and, and they'll just start shaking their head and they'll start going through their motions and all of that. And I'm like, what are you doing? You know, you just threw a ball, you know, it's okay. You don't have a hundred percent strike percentage. You just threw a ball. Just like when, you know, I see guys hitting and sometimes they swing and miss and then they, you know, they, they keep their arm up and they do all this stuff. And it's like, man, you just swung and missed. That's why you get three strikes. And so I tell the guys, don't worry about that. Let's let, let's worry about the next pitch or this pitch that you're about to throw. 
be here now is what we always say, you know, be, be right here right now. And it's, it's just amazing to me that sometimes they'll shake their head. I, I said, I'm not here to, you know, I'm not here to be a micromanager and to every time you throw a ball, say, this is what you did wrong and hurry up and hop on them. But if I'm there in the bullpen, I, I like to watch for consistency. If I see a guy that's missing low and away, low and away, low and away, low and away consecutive times, well, then, hey, let's get a video. Let's see what why are we doing that? And then I'll break down the video at my house. I'll send them the video. You know, we'll talk about, hey, watch your front leg, watch your front shoulder, all this stuff that kind of comes into play. And then we'll try to correct it then. But, man, sometimes they just they're in a hurry to figure out, hey, man, I something's wrong. And no, no, you're not. It, you just missed. OK, so let's just continue the process. Yeah, I think sometimes with with pitchers, the, the goal, it seems like in everything is like just to try to hit a certain number and they got to understand, like you get to a certain level, like just hitting that number isn't going to get outs, right? Like you have to have a secondary pitch that's a threat too, right? Because just throwing hard isn't a threat to really good hitters. What's a threat sure. is, you know, you have a good secondary pitch and then, man, if you even have like a really good changeup too, like now you really got something. But I, I wonder if the analytics and especially maybe, I mean, you would know more than me at the college level. Would you say they're a little bit overrated at the college level? The analytics? Yeah. I personally. Okay. I, yeah. I think, I think they are. I, I really do. I, and I'm not taking, you know, I'm a pitching instructor as well and we use that stuff and, you know, there's a time and a place for it. So again, I go back to, you know, the learning moments that I have or the coaches that I've talked to and a lot of coaches that I've talked to, and I try to abide by this too, is okay. In the fall, we're, we're going to work on the hybrid stuff, the old school stuff, but we're also going to get analytics involved because in the fall you're developing in the winter time, we're going to start when we're inside and doing all that stuff. We're going to bust the analytics out to see where you're at still, see if there's any improvement, all that stuff. But once the spring comes along, we are putting that stuff aside. I don't want you going out there to think about your spin rate or your velo. Us as coaches are going to know if your velocity is good, if your spin rate is good, by the way the hitter reacts to it. And, you know, so – I don't want you to think during the game, I wonder what my Vila was or spin rate and all that stuff. I, I just want that put away. But in the fall, yeah, we'll sit down and talk about it. I don't I don't care if we I have to spend, you know, uh a long, a long period of time with a certain pitcher because he really wants to sit down and talk about this. That's fine. That's what I'm here for. Uh I'm not here for any accolades. I'm here to help you become a better pitcher and become a better player. That's a great point about the hitter will tell you whether your stuff is good or not. Like you don't oh, yeah. need to, you don't need a graph to tell you. You don't need a radar gun or you know coach Ware to tell you. Like the hitter's going to tell you whether you have good stuff. You know the whole lineup will tell you whether or not uh, you know you can get guys out consistent. I like that. Sure. We What's you up? know one of the things that we uh, one of the things that we also uh, you know that I see sometimes coaches do is they're afraid to tell their star player or their better pitcher that you know maybe their bullpen wasn't that good mm. you know and and sometimes you got to let a pitcher know hey today wasn't a good job today wasn't a good pen you know what are we going to do to get to get better you know i always try to tell our guys you know because they're all set in their ways you know and if a guy is going to throw let's say a 25 pitch bullpen and his 25th pitch is a ball 
way up and in or low and away, he starts walking off the mound. And I'm like, you know, no, no, no. Let's get back up here. You're going to throw pitch number 26, and we're going to throw it for a strike. We're going to end on a positive note. I mean, it's just like walking in a basketball gym and you're shooting hoops. You know, the last thing that you want to do is put the ball in the hoop before you leave the gym. Well, the last thing I want you to do before you leave the mound is I want you to throw your best pitch in the location that you want so you can come walking off that mound feeling pretty positive about yourself. I like that too. Yeah, I think it's important, especially because pitching so much about feel, it seems. I mean, again, I'm not a pitcher, but I think that's something that I've, I have noticed a lot of pitchers talking about. It's about feel. Hitting is definitely about feel too, but it's just mm-hmm. a little bit of a, of a different beast. What, what's something that, uh, like from a velocity standpoint, that you see at the Division two level? Like, what what are you normally seeing at the Division two level from a VO standpoint? You know, it varies. I mean, you know, you see all these stories, and you see some of these people that are throwing the upper nineties in in Division one baseball, and then you know, there yeah, there is a drop off. Okay, there is a drop off, but you know, when we in our conference GMAC. Uh, GMAC conference that we're in, we've seen anywhere between 79, 84. We had a closer that pitched against us that was sitting 93, 95. Um, so it, it, there's all realms. And you see guys in Division three that are throwing 90 miles an hour. You see NAIA JUCO guys that are throwing 90 miles an hour. I mean, it's it's, you know, it gets to the point where velocity is great to have. But if you don't have that, if you don't possess that ability to throw it for a strike and have secondary pitches, you're going to be short-lived. You know, it, it it amazes me how many high school pitchers that come to college as a freshman, when you ask them to throw a changeup, they either do not have one or it is, it is broken. You know, because in high school, they were able to get away with their fastball. They were able to get away with either a slider or a curve and they don't throw their changeups much. And then all of a sudden they come to college and we play fall ball and we have some pretty good hitters. And so does a lot of kids, a lot of teams in our conference or wherever you go. And in the fall, you're competing for a job and you're only throwing two pitches. You're going to get humbled real quick, you know, and that's, you know, that's one of the things that we try to hit on right away. When you come to pitch for me and at Walsh university, where's the changeup at? You need something. You got two pitches that go away, 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 a fastball, a two seam, a cutter, and it, it moves away. We got to get something that goes down and in and has a different speed. I mean, because you're if your fastball is 86 and your cutter is 84, okay, great, but it's going in the same spot. We need something that's going to move down in the way and it's going to change speeds a little bit. So um, you know, it's it's amazing to me when you see that. And so that's one of the things, and it's funny because you see a kid throw a change up and it's so bad that it's like, he's like, I, I just, I don't have one. Well, you know what? You're going to continue to throw one for the next two, three weeks and we're going to get something. So. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you don't have one yet. Right. I think that's a right. big, big problem. It's like, yeah, you may, and you may get out there when you're in practice or whatnot, and it may look really bad, but that's okay. It's playing right. the long game a little bit. But what I, I was going to say is when I went up and watched you guys, up in the GMAC tournament, I think your starting pitcher, big kid was, he was sitting high eighties. I think he topped yeah. maybe 89, 90. And so I think that there's, I don't know. I, I, that's why I enjoy watching different levels of college baseball, just because the best players at the division two level on a lot of teams, they can definitely play division one. Like there's not even a, a, a 
chance. Oh. Like they can't. They can play and they would start on a lot of teams. It's really just the depth. Like you said, like there's guys who are now like low eighties or you know, you'll see some of the guys at the back end who who can't necessarily do that. But the best players, hands down, can the best players, I mean, they're they get a chance to get drafted, you know? Yeah, so well, I mean for sure. Yeah. We had we had a guy um that graduated for us in Andrew Check a couple of years ago. Uh, and he's he's still playing. He's you know he's twenty six years old. He's still playing, um, and he's, it's amazing to me, you know. But there's just such that huge jump from college to the next level, and so he's still working at it. It's fun to watch him play, and uh, you know it's one of those things where it's just you need, especially as pitchers. I I tell my guys, you know, get me out, get me out quick, and let our offense work. You know, we always tell them, get off the field, get off the field, let our offense work for you. Well, that's why I like the the idea of the pitch clock, I would say, because there's nothing, nothing worse than being on defense and the pitcher just taking forever on the mound. I mean, right. if he works fast, you're, you are so locked in and it just everything starts moving a lot better. Um, so going back to the uh, recruiting again, I want to because I know I'm going to get some questions about this from a velocity standpoint and I, and I get it. There's more to it than just velocity, but that's what a lot of people are, how they measure it a lot of times. What, what do you need to see? Like, are you willing to take the chance on that kid who's low eighties or does it need to be at least mid eighties for you to, to get, have some interest? There are, there are different spots that we look for. We, we do give chances, you know, we we'll get that. We'll look for that 83 guy. Um, that fills it up, that throws strikes, that has multiple pitches, that can pitch abilities, a good teammate, stuff like that. But then also I think there's certain needs that you need. We need a guy that's going to throw 87 to 88 miles an hour. We we want to find that guy. And he may, but he so, may not be as polished as that guy who can throw three pitches for a strike. Exactly. So we, you know, one of the problems we had, I think last year, two years ago, is a lot of the guys that we have were the same. Every guy that we threw out there was a right-handed guy that was 84 to 86, maybe, uh, maybe lower than that. And everything just looked the same. Um, so now we've changed it where, you know, we had a couple lefties. We recruited a couple lefties. We're getting some more lefties coming in. And, you know, arm angles are different. You know, we'll have a guy that's up here. We'll have a guy over here and down here. So we look at all that stuff. It's not just about the velo, even though velo is important. But, yeah, we'll take chances on a low velo guy. But we also look at arm slot, how it how the ball moves, um, vertical horizontal break. We you know all that stuff comes into play. What what's gonna what's it gonna take for for you as a pitching coach to like get to the next level? And I don't mean like job wise. I mean I'm sure you're like you're a very competitive person and you want to get better as a coach. So. What are you looking to do and, and work on and develop as a coach? And what do you think it's going to take for you to just take that next step and and even and even become an even better coach? Like, what are you looking to do? Well, I, like I said, I always I'm always trying to learn. I think I I think I learn, and you know, sometimes it's behind closed doors. You know, I don't brag that I talk to this coach or that coach or whatever. You know, I'm just that. I can't pitch anymore. Right. So it's not about me going and throwing and pitching and trying to open eyes and stuff like that. But what it is, is I want my players trust. I want them to know that I'm working for them. Uh, 
So I reach out, I'll talk to coaches. So I, I think networking is huge for me. You know, it was my first time last year or this past year going down to Nashville to the national coaches convention. And I mean, it was phenomenal. I made a list of everybody I talked to. I made sure that I sent them out a tweet or sent them out a message and said, Hey, thanks for your time. Um, it, it's just amazing to hear and, and maybe I'll have like, I don't want to keep them, you know, for a half hour. So I might have one question say, Hey, this is what I want to ask. So-and-so this is what I want to ask. So-and-so and either I try to write it down because you know, when somebody's speaking to me, I, I write down stuff. I mean, I, I have notebooks everywhere and just learning and listening to your podcast and just listening to, to people, I just take notes down. And if it's something I like, and it's something I want to kind of work on and jump at, absolutely. You know, I just, I just think networking and, and not being afraid to talk to other coaches and I don't want to say doing new things, but opening up the door to possibilities that uh, are going to make your guys play, um, understand that there are different things out there. You know, sometimes they come in and they're so just robotic or they're, this is what my guy said. And it's hard to break down that barrier sometimes to those guys. And so if they know I'm working for them, um, you know, I can, I'll do whatever I can. Like, you know, I'm making notes for next fall already. How am I going to, you know, talk to crews? How are we going to get things going? How are we going to game plan this? I, I don't want it to be the same old, same old, same old every day. Routine's fine. I think routine's a good thing to have. Consistency's a good thing to have. But sometimes you just want to open it up a little bit and have these guys come in and and maybe do something new and see what they if they like it or not. What's an example of of a question that you had for a coach? Okay. Um, oh man. <laughs> I mean, there's so many of them. You know, one of the things I for bullpens, bullpen work. You know, what do you do in the bullpen? You know, one of the things that I did uh, when I first started was in the, and I knew right away it wasn't probably the right thing, but watching a bullpen and seeing the pitcher just signal to the catcher what he's throwing, like here comes a fastball. Okay, and so the fastball is then pitched and it's it hits the glove and maybe it's a strike, but in my mind I'm like, okay, did he want that pitch to be there in that location? Did he want it to be moving more? Did what? Did, what did he want? Um, and if it was a strike, it was a ball, you know, whatever. Because listen, I can throw strikes all day right down the middle. You throw strikes right down the middle in a game, you're going to be in trouble. So what I did then is I, I, you know, what do you do for bullpens? I'm asking all these coaches, and he said, "Man, we make our bullpens competitive." I was like, "How do you? What do you do?" He's like, "We have two lines of guys." Um, I'll tell, I'll call out, okay, this is going to be a, a curveball for a strike uh, on the outside half of the plate. So there's got to be a location. There's got to be a pitch type of location and things like that. And so one pitcher will go throw, he'll throw a curveball on the outside corner. It looks good. I make the call. So like I'm the umpire. So sometimes you're going to like the umpire. Sometimes you're going to, you know, where that zone at. So it gets heated, man. It gets heated, especially when it gets down to the last couple guys, you know? So one guy will square off. There'll be a 15 pitch sequence, right? So one guy will throw 15 pitches, but they'll go one and one. So he'll throw a fastball away. He'll throw a fastball away, same spot. So they'll have to execute the same pitch. And then there's a point system, you know, towards the end of that. Um, you know, so it's it's competitive that way. 
and it's sequenced. I, I want to know what you're throwing. I want to be able to call and say, hey, I, this is the pitch I want you to throw, hit the spot. Um, so we'll have it in, in, you know, so they'll have that competitive edge right there on that. Um, we talk about laudable pens. We'll have, you know, a couple of pitchers throwing and then in the back, you know, they'll be yelling and screaming like fans or whatever, you know, make the pitch. Um, you're going to see all kinds of things, guys on first base, second base, pair, you know, people in the crowd yelling and screaming, students yelling and screaming. How are you going to zone that out? Um, if it's a pitch that you, I want you to feel comfortable with every pitch that you throw. So if you're going, if we're calling fastball away and you're not sure about that pitch, you want to throw your curveball. Well, if it's a fastball that's called, I want you to make sure that you're, if you're about to throw this pitch, then you have the utmost confidence that you're going to make that pitch, not dwelling on, oh man, he wants to throw a, he wants me to throw a fastball. You don't have time to think like you said, but you know, it's a 20 second clock. I want my guys to throw the baseball within 12 to 15 seconds. So it's, it's got a, you know, short-term memory um, is, is gotta be a, a huge key uh, in this thing. So competitive bullpen. So what we do, what do you, what do coaches do in the bullpen that I can get my guys going and, and be extremely competitive so that when they go from the bullpen to the mound, they've already experienced what it's like. That That's fantastic. I love that. If I was a pitching coach, I would definitely steal that and, and start doing that right away. It gets you a little bit, it gets you closer to the, the game environment, game intensity, feeling a little bit of pressure um, just because it's, you know, you're competing against the other guy and everybody's watching you instead of just going through a, a generic bull, bullpen where everyone's kind of half-assed paying attention. I mean, they're not really right. locked in. I love that. I think that's great. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it was a real interesting concept. I just, you know, we, instead of the pitcher just saying, here comes the fastball, you know, we also incorporate guy in first base. We incorporate. Okay. So now all of a sudden you want to throw a curveball on the outside corner in 1.25 seconds, you know, so you're holding a runner on. So we kind of mix in, you know, not only the pitch and the pitch location, but also timing to the plate. You know, we don't want our guys to feel comfortable, you know, throwing to the plate in one seven because that's just a free base in college baseball. So do you call the pitches or does the catcher? Um, we call we call the pitches uh some of the time, but uh, there was a lot of instances where we actually we have two freshman catchers this year for us. And we gave them the we gave them the reins a little bit, you know. We we called some pitches that we thought maybe in certain situations this is what we need, or we knew a hitter pretty well, and this is what, but then all of a sudden it's it is like a catcher-pitcher relationship. These guys know each other, they work out together, they know what pitch they can make, and sometimes we leave it in their hands. And I think that's an awesome thing to do. I you know I I go to these high school games and I'm seeing these coaches, you know, do all this, all this stuff and and then you talk to the pitchers and you're like, man, these co this coach doesn't want me to shake off. He doesn't want me to do this. He doesn't want me to do that. So sometimes you got to, you know, you're, you're trying to create men. You're trying to create confidence. What better way to create confidence is letting those guys know this is the pitch I'm I'm going to get you out with. And I think it also helps from their development standpoint too, right? When they get to you in college, if, if they've already had some trial and error and, and understand different situations and, and how a hitter takes a pitch and what might happen if they throw, you know, an, another pitch after he takes it this way versus that way. I think all of that sure. plays a part into developing so you can become in a sense, your own best coach, if, if you will. So I, I, I never understood that either. I mean, 
I don't know, maybe if it's the state championship game or something like that. Or, but right. other than that, I mean, I, I think it is important to let the, the kids are going to fail. Like they're, they're going to make, they're going to, a, a kid's going to call a curveball in a situation that shouldn't be thrown. Right. And, and but then right. the same thing on, on the fastball side, but that's the the learning part of it. And I'm sure your boys got a big advantage because of, of you um, growing up and, and, teaching them how to to throw in certain situations and watching how hitters take pitches and things like that but unfortunately yes never not everybody has a dad who loves pitching as much as you do <laughs> well you know what it's it's funny because you know even with my own sons and, and and even my players sometimes you know we'll call and, and, and there's two versions it's high school and then a college version but if we call a fastball on the outside corner of the plate because you know maybe in high school they're just they're not able to get the bat through and stuff like that. And they don't have the power to take it, you know, opposite field. And we call a fastball away and the pitcher throws a fastball in and the guy turns on it. And all of a sudden the pitcher comes off, you know, why are we throwing a fastball? That guy's a fast, well, man, you missed it by 17 inches. You know what I mean? You, they don't understand that concept. They, they only understand they hit the fastball. That's what you called. Maybe if you would have put it in that location, the outcome would have been different. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's a, it, it's a, it's a learning experience for the pitchers and, you know, coaches got to be uh, willing to take the heat sometime when the pitcher questions that, but, you know, they also got to be on the same page that this is, Hey, this is why I would call. Or you talk to the catcher and say, Hey, where was that at? Uh, it was inside. Well, where do we call it? It was outside. So you want to make sure the pitcher's there standing by the catcher. So he's getting that advice too. So. Would you say the majority of the time you're you're having your pitchers work away versus work in on hitters? I would definitely say the majority of the time we try we try to throw outside. Why is yeah, that? We just you know it. De- I mean, I guess it depends on the pitcher, but we we try to like move the ball outside. I like throwing inside as well, um, but if we can get away, 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 and, and, you know, like I said, some of the hitters that we face or we know that maybe don't have that power to the opposite field, you know, maybe they're going to try to roll it over or try to pull it and roll it over to the third baseman or shortstop, or, you know, they're not going to hit it as hard to the right side of the field. Um, so we do tend to throw fastball away quite a bit, um, but then all of a sudden we, we try to do a surprise attack where we try to get it inside. Um, and again, that's a secret ingredient that young pitchers at 12, 13 years old, 14 years old, you need to throw inside a 12, 13 year old batter comes in and sees a pitch going inside. What's his first reaction? Oh man, I'm going to step back a little bit. Well, now you got them. Now you're going to throw outside, outside with college hitters, man, they're in the batter's box. They're not moving. So when you're throwing inside, you have to hit that spot inside and make them understand, okay, yeah, he's coming inside. Maybe I'm looking in. Now all of a sudden I start busting away. And then we talk about channeling pitches and tunneling pitches. And, you know, you want to look, you know, throw a fastball up and in, but then throw a curveball that looks like it's up and in, but then it breaks away. So we always try to talk about channeling and tunneling pitches as well. And sometimes that term doesn't get noticed until you get into college, you know, mm-hmm. um, in high school, you're just about, you know, you're throwing, you're pitching, you're trying to get away with two pitches. And then in high school, you got to try or college, you got to make sure that, you know, three or four pitches you have, you're, you're making them look similar, but the end result is different. Good stuff. Darren, you're the man. Appreciate you coming on today. Where can people connect with you if they, if they want to follow you or talk to you more? 
I, I usually just have a Twitter page. It's at uh, at Coach Ware seventeen. Um, my DMs my DMs are open. Um, you know, I love to hear from coaches or even other coaches. It doesn't have to be college coaches, high school coaches, parents. You know, if they have questions. Uh, you know, feel free to to reach out to me, and and I try to get back to those people as soon as possible. Um, you know, I would love to get together with other coaches multiple times and ask them more questions. I mean, I have a paper here that I didn't know how long we were going today. So, I mean, I had all kinds of notes and all kinds of things to go over. So, man, if you ever want me back, I, I would love to do this. I think you're doing a great job getting that information out there. You know, I've been listening to your stuff um, and glad that I'm a part of it. So, um, you know, if you ever want to talk about something else or more of this on the mental side or whatever, oh, yeah. I think that's a huge thing. I know you, oh, we'll, we'll you definitely... talked about that the other day. Yeah, we'll definitely have you back on. Like you said, I think there's so many different avenues we can we can do. I think next time, uh, next time you come on, I'll let you pick like the 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 main topic that that we talk about. So awesome. you can be whether mental game or strength condition, whatever you want it to be. So I'll I'll let you pick it next time. That'd be a lot of fun. We should definitely do that well, in the next couple months. Looking forward to it, Patrick. Thank you so much. Yep.